0: This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Ryan Farwell, Paul Van Bremen, Bill Cariola, Heather Van Waldick, and Michael W. McClure. And by listeners like you, who support us and get exclusive content through patreon.com slash relativity. 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 I heard my late Captain Deepa, and Sophia heard her late father, but Peter heard Raymond, who I assume is still very much alive. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Is it about how Raymond didn't want Peter to go on this mission? Didn't want their connection to be lost? And now we're getting messages telling us we must remain connected? Could that be it? We've been going crazy trying to explain how we could be hearing ghost voices, and maybe the whole time it's been the work of a brilliant but angry kid brother.
1: relativity episode 39 in
0: which one possible future is revealed
2: it's turning into the best explanation we have yet
0: the problem is it still sounds insane nadia we have a theory i know
2: i've been listening
0: we want to know what you with your vast computer intelligence make of all the facts we've uncovered and how we're putting them together
1: First and foremost, gentlemen, I'll point out that what you have gleaned from Peter Miblin's journals are not facts, but hearsay. They are accounts of a man's personal experiences spoken by the man himself.
2: Or recorded as they were happening.
1: Nonetheless, you are experiencing his perspective alone. So most of his accounts do not constitute scientific facts.
0: Okay, even accepting that, though, don't you think we finally have a plausible explanation for the ghost voices and all of that?
1: I do not. There are many logical fallacies in your process. Such as? The most obvious one would be that you have been hearing the voice of Captain Sedana.
0: Well, I'm thinking Raymond would know that I had, uh, that that hearing her voice would be especially... Precisely.
1: How could he know that if he and Peter had not been communicating? More to the point, the use of her voice would only be effective because of her recent suicide, something Raymond was unlikely to know about.
0: Well, maybe he, uh, um... No, you're right.
1: In any case, while he might have been motivated to create an auditory illusion to harass his brother into contacting him, why would he do the same to the ship's medical officer and the mission control flight
2: director? Yeah, yeah, I think the computer's right. We went down a blind alley there.
0: I wanted so much for that to be the explanation. So, since the topics come up, Nadia, I I don't suppose you have a theory about why Peter, Sophia, and I have all been hearing spooky voices telling us that we must remain connected to something or someone? I do not. In fact, you don't believe it happened at all, do you?
1: I do not believe that these persons have been speaking to you. No, but I do understand that you believe that they have spoken to you.
0: That is no comfort at all.
2: I am sorry for that, but it is the truth. So we're no closer to an explanation
0: than we were before. Well, I do think it helps to know that Peter heard the voices and that he heard someone he felt sure he would never hear from again because that's the same as my experience and Sophia's.
2: Here's another weird thing, on that same trip outside he also said he hated what the universe looked like. Did he ever tell you that?
0: Wait he said what?
2: Marcus is relating
1: an accurate account. Peter spoke frequently, even in his sleep, about what he perceived as a hideous distortion of reality caused by the Relativity Compensator.
0: Hideous distortion of reality?
2: Those were his words. I thought maybe that's why he wanted to blow it
0: up. Of course that's why he wanted to destroy the Compensator. Marcus, you've, you've hit on it.
2: I
1: provided supporting evidence of this as well. Yes,
0: you did, Nadia. Credit where it's due. But no, he never said any of this to me.
1: Well...
2: He didn't want anybody else to know he had been outside the ship.
1: Correct. He had no orders or authorization for an extravehicular activity.
0: Oh right, of course he didn't. Wow, we are figuring a bunch of stuff out. But I'm not sure we're any closer to knowing why he killed everybody. Or why I'm hearing voices. Okay, or what any of it means.
2: But we're going to keep on digging until we find all the answers, right?
0: Marcus, you give me hope when I felt that all hope was lost. I think this quest has become as important to you as it has to me.
2: It's how I got into engineering. When I see a problem or puzzle, I can't rest until I've figured out a solution.
0: That's why I got into medicine, too. Into healing. Birds of a feather, huh? Together, you and I are going to figure this out.
3: What are you thinking about, Mama? (laughs) You You might might be surprised. (laughs) Then again, I might not. I'm looking at Sybil, frozen in this machine for God only knows how long. And I'm thinking of Norse folk legends.
4: (laughs) And see, that didn't surprise me in the least. In my experience, this is how classical professors think all the time. I suppose it is, but yes. She lies here,
3: protected and unaware, like Rundhild, asleep in her armor. And I wonder who will be her secret to come wake her at last. Uh,
4: I'd pick another story, Mama. If I remember right, that one doesn't end well for anybody. Oh, my dear, you're right. She can be sleeping beauty instead. Much better. Handsome prince, happy ending.
3: The first day I was down here, the day we put her into this machine, I told you I wanted to move here to stay beside her always. I know. And I said we can't have you living in Mission Control space. And I understood that it must
4: have seemed ridiculous. It did, but now I'm starting to wonder. Yes? Yes. I mean, what did I think was going to happen? I would get in trouble with the Global Space Agency that anybody from GSA ever comes here, and they never do. They'd be a lot more interested in this girl we put illegally into suspended animation using one of their cryo chambers, so... Having a woman take up residence in her vast storage cellar, that would be... negligible.
3: After the hurricane, we can go back home and move some of our furniture to here. You
4: know, that might not even be necessary. We have absolutely everything in here. One of the groups that stored their things down here was the army, so there may be beds and tables and lamps and who knows what else.
3: So you don't mind?
4: You have let me do this thing? On one hand, it does seem crazy, but on the other, I was so worried. About how I was going to get the space mission through its ongoing crisis while I was keeping my promise to stay close to you and bringing you closer to my work makes a great deal of sense. So it's not so crazy. No. I say let's dig around in here and see if we can find an army issued bed.
2: in control to Yeshni.
0: Konechni. Marcus. Does this mean you are back in the control room? It
2: does, and I'm glad to be here.
0: Hurricane finished with Puerto Rico? You
2: should see it, Doctor. The island is pretty much destroyed. The old building above the ground, the rail lines, the rainforests, we didn't have time to recover from the last killer hurricane. And we won't have time to recover before the next one.
0: And the loss of life?
2: They're still the counting, still looking for people. But we know of about 500 who were killed.
0: And that number will go up.
2: It always does.
0: Well, I'm glad you stayed safe.
2: Took me an hour to get from home to here because of all the damage to the rails. But that gave me time to think of the core freezer and what's in it.
0: You mean the bodies of my friends and colleagues?
2: More about the stuff that's supposed to be in there. All those little bottles full of human reproductive cells.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to learn you didn't know about them. I figured everybody involved in the mission knew all about them.
2: Well, we were told they were vital supplies. That's all, but see? Now I'm finding references in Nadia's files that say you and Peter used to talk about that a lot. About all those little bobs. Oh yeah,
0: that was one of our favorite topics of discussion. We we felt like we were the only ones on board who thought the whole thing was a perversion of nature and an insult to the human race.
2: But that's just it. You were the only ones. Maybe he killed everybody who didn't see eye to eye with him about those sperm and cells.
0: Well, that's possible. It's consistent with the grandiose kind of thinking he was doing.
2: Well, if I can ask. What was it that you and he thought that was so different from everybody else?
0: Oh right, you didn't know what was in there. Okay, well, the freezer is connected to the most sophisticated robotic in vitro lab ever built. Say again? You heard that right. A complex machine that allegedly does everything a human female body does in terms of conception, growth, and birth of a new human being.
2: Can we do that? I mean, does that actually work?
0: All I can say is that the technology exists.
2: Okay, so that's how the new world was going to be populated, by making babies from material and storage?
0: Right. And the 21 of us, and whatever children we might have had through old-fashioned means along the way, we were to be the parents of those countless squalling infants.
2: And that's what you objected to.
0: Oh no, I I wouldn't have joined the mission if I wasn't prepared to do all of that, but it it was only after we were underway that I learned the truth about those samples. The truth. Yeah, you might want to be sitting down. I am. Good. Peter and I learned that all of those samples were carefully selected for their quote, superior genetic qualities, end quote. The people who chose these specimens, and in some cases tampered with their DNA, ...removed certain perceived physical flaws, hereditary weaknesses, and mental and emotional quirks.
2: But that's a good thing, right?
0: Tell him about the book, Nadia.
1: Dr. Mason refers to an unpublished internal document called... ...Criteria of Desirable Traits for the First Generation of Humans Living on a World Other Than Earth.
0: Those criteria Peter and I discovered included noses, and earlobes of a certain prescribed length. They included hair textures. They included average adult heights and waist circumferences. Okay, starting to get it. The DNA carefully preserved in that freezer represents a certain segment of the human race, yes. But it does not provide for one future man who will, for example, grow a bushier beard than another. Or a future woman who will have keener hearing or eyesight than another. They will all be more or less the same. Down to the skin color. No, they're the criteria allowed for some actual diversity. But even within racial groups, the representative traits are within a very narrow range. So in this new race of humans, there will be black and white people, yes. But they'll all be about the same height and weight. And uh, and nobody, get this, will have red hair or freckles.
2: Okay, that's wrong.
0: Now you're getting it. We saw no indication that the people who chose the traits to be passed on were interested in a a family history of music ability, or a special talent for mathematics, or really for anyone who was just a little bit weird. You know what I mean? They didn't value the people who were just kind of born goofy.
2: So let me ask you this, we agree something drove Peter from being somebody with some eccentric opinions to somebody who could kill the people closest to him? Right. And it seems to have something to do with his feelings about the genetically perfect DNA you're carrying into the new world, and his feelings about what the universe looks like when we're going through space in a ship with a relativity compensator. Yes. So if he's dead set on blowing something up, why would he try to wreck the compensator? Wouldn't it make more sense to dynamite the freezer instead?
0: Wow. That my friend is a very good question.
1: Look at this! The label says it
3: contains
4: a small table with two chairs. If that's really what's in the box, that would be perfect. You think the labels are not correct? These are all things put down here by the Global Space Agency, Mama. If you'd been lied to by them as many times as I have, you'd be suspicious about their labels too.
3: Should we open this to see if there really are chairs inside? Or move the whole box out to put with the rest, and then see what's inside Sophia? Ma- Mama, come look at this. These are packing crates, like all the rest. Can you read this label? You know I read very little Russian.
4: Component compensator relativity.
3: You've told me about these, the relativity compensator, but I confess, it all still sounds like witchcraft to me.
4: It's pretty close. But you're not getting my point. These things are... <laughs> They require extremely rare materials, and they take months to build, and it has to be in the one laboratory on Earth that has- what I'm saying is, there there are only a few that are ever even built. So they are extremely valuable. Yes, but that's still not the point. There are three crates here with this marking. Three. Mama, I think these are parts that were supposed to be in our ships. Ships of Konichni. But your ship? So when you're in charge of it, it, has this machine, yes? It does. But I- I'm thinking this means the others, the ones we lost track of, for some reason, they were launched without these. Yes, look at this. This crate is marked Budiche. That was one of the ships. The others... Yes, the- this crate is labeled Vujvani. And the third one, I'll put you anything. Yes. It says Ebigenie. Those three ships, Mama? You are saying three of the four ships, the ones are supposed to preserve humanity? They were sent off without these parts they need? No wonder we lost contact with them. I'm going upstairs, Mama. Will you be all right down here?
3: I am shopping for the furniture for my new home. I will be more than content.
0: Okay, I think I'm following this, but I'm not sure.
4: I found what I think are vital parts for the relativity compensators that were intended for the other three ships in your
0: fleet. All stored together at Arecibo? Yes. So they've been traveling for five years. Maybe it's something close to the speed of light, but without the weird gizmo that allows you to stay in touch with them in real time.
4: In space normal time, yes. In a time frame relative to our time frame on Earth.
0: So that's good, right? It suggests that maybe instead of being lost to some horrible disaster, They're maybe they're fine. They're on their way to the new world.
4: Very likely,
0: yes. But you're telling me about all of this like it explains something about all the insanity that's happening here.
4: Because think about it. Those parts weren't left out by accident. With the multiple levels of inspection and scrutiny, it's just not possible. Somebody at the agency decided to leave out those parts. Somebody ordered them to be left out and stored here for some reason.
0: Yeah, but we, but Konietchny got a complete, intact Relativity Compensator, didn't it? And we were the only ones who did.
4: And five years later, one of the people on board your ship tried to destroy it.
0: Okay. I think this means you are going to have to finally explain to me, once and for all, exactly what this thing does. You asked me that before and I told you- You said I wouldn't understand it. And I said, try me. Maybe I'm not as stupid as you think.
4: And I tried to explain to you that it's not so much a matter of understanding what it does, it's understanding the, the, the results of what it does, of understanding how it changes everything.
0: Okay, sure, fine, I accept that, but now you're going to try again to explain it to me, right? You are finally going to tell me the real and entire truth about what the Relativity Compensator does.
4: Yes, but only after warning you that you may not like what you hear.
1: Relativity. Episode 39. In which one possible future is revealed. Written, directed, and produced by Lee Shackleford. Featured in the cast were Clarence Brown, Lee Shackleford, Stephanie Lindsay, and Alana Jordan. The role of central computer Nadia was played by herself. Special thanks once again to Maureen Hannon. Find out much more about the series, including ways you can subscribe, hear past episodes, like us on social media, and how you can get exclusive content, all on our website at relativitypodcast.com.